With restrictions easing and the country reopening, we might expect to feel positively joyous about meeting up with family, going shopping, welcoming friends over. But actually, many of us are feeling a palpable sense of re-entry anxiety. Hello, thanks for joining me for another edition of the UOK podcast. I hope you're doing well and, you know, adjusting to the latest phase of life in a global pandemic. I've been really struck over the last few days by the amount of people saying things like, yeah, it's great that things are moving on, but I'd be a bit wary now of heading into town or having friends over. We've all spent so long in a state of vigilance that it's proving really tricky for some of us to moderate that essentially. So maybe you're someone who's experienced anxiety before or maybe it's new to you, but there's no denying that when we're out and about, many of us are feeling just a little on edge. It's a phenomenon known as re-entry anxiety and today I'm joined by consultant clinical psychologist Dr Claire Hayes who you may remember joined us all the way back in early April to talk about sleep. Claire and I talk about why we may be anxious at the moment, some strategies for managing that anxiety and also how we can support people that we might encounter in the shops or at the bus stop who may be finding this tough. It is it is a scary time. I mean, if we think what is anxiety, it's a response to either threat, real threat, danger, and or perceived threat or danger. So those of us who have been locked down over the last while have been safe and people who haven't been have been out in the workplace and they've maybe developed a little bit more resilience than people who have been safe And a quote I like is ships in harbour are safe, but that's not what they're built for. So now there's a sense of, oh, we need to push past our comfort zone and and move out. So why I think a lot of it is or some of it is what's happening. And then the other part, of course, with anxiety is what we're thinking ourselves. And I think that can trigger or those are or our own thoughts can trigger anxiety as well, as well as our actions. People's anxiety that I've encountered as I've been chatting to people seems to be focused on sort of two main factors. They're either afraid of getting COVID-19 and still have that fear, or perhaps they are feeling anxious about socialising again, about returning to a workplace, having been in this bubble of home, maybe with you know, a couple of other people or one other person or possibly on their own. So I guess in terms of the one about COVID, first of all, what are some of the ways people can manage anxiety around becoming infected by COVID-19? First of all, it's important for us to recognise that we are feeling anxious and that's okay. So however that manifests for each of us and we're all different. So for some of us, it might be a sick feeling in our stomach or a sense of dread or thoughts racing or, you know, thoughts like, I can't, I can't, I can't. So knowing that actually that's okay, that's normal. That's like our house fire alarm flickering and going off and off and off and saying danger. But if we stay at home, the longer we stay at home, the harder that's going to be. And then acknowledging that, yes, there is a risk. There is a risk that we could get COVID-19 because the virus, as we know, has not gone away. So with anxiety, what what I've discovered is reassurance, or what I know is reassurance does not work. So Dr. Tony Houlihan and the other medics telling us, you know, there's a minimal risk, that actually doesn't matter if we're feeling anxious about it. So I would encourage us all to look at 
what would happen if we got it? So rather than saying we won't or we're scared and not talking about it. So worst case scenario, if we actually got it, we now know what to do. So we now know what the symptoms are. We now know how to get tested. We now know the importance of quarantining ourselves and keeping other people safe. And I think in the beginning of all of this, there was certainly fear in myself that if I got it, I could give it to someone who is vulnerable. Whereas now I have a sense that if I get it, and hopefully I won't, but if I do, I will not see anybody for two weeks. So we have the knowledge and also we have the knowledge around how best to protect ourselves. We could scare ourselves. What if we got the flu, the winter flu? What if we walked down the road and a car accidentally drove into us? What if? So the what if thoughts can be very, very, very scary and can trigger us into massive anxiety. Interestingly, the people who I've worked with in the past who've had extreme anxiety contacted me. A few of them contacted me at the beginning of all of this to say, just to let you know, I'm actually doing really well. I'm doing really well. I'm doing so much better than I thought I ever would. And people I've worked with who have been anxious about becoming really ill have told me that if they get really ill, they're actually surprised by how well they can cope with it. It's the fear of getting something can trigger the sense of anxiety. For those of us who've been feeling nice and safe and comfy at home, of course, we're going to feel anxious getting out and going back into the workplace and going back into the shops. But that's okay. That level of anxiety is normal to feel completely better. And with no anxiety might be to stay in bed. And that's, you know, life's not like that. In our conversation, I'm getting a really clear picture as to why many of us are feeling anxious, because it's a really nuanced dance that we're doing. And we don't have the luxury of just going back to normal and relaxing into our normal. We're constantly mm. having to maintain some degree of vigilance, which as humans, I guess means our fight or flight system is constantly either on the brink mm. of firing off or is constantly firing. There are risks that we take every single day. And I think we do it with a confidence that we are resilient and mm. that we can get help and take help and use help. So I was, I was thinking about this this morning, Jan, and I was thinking that we're not all the same. And going into lockdown, there was a sense of everybody's in lockdown. So we were all the same. We were all in the same boat. Yeah. But the experience of people through lockdown has been very different. Mm. And I know some people at this point might be thinking, oh, I should have done. I should have done more. I should have tidied the house. I should have emptied the presses. I should have... I've wasted that time. So they might be feeling quite cross with themselves, very hard on themselves. They might be feeling a sense of regret. They might be playing back the time in their head. Mm. They might be thinking, you know, why did I watch so much TV? I should have. So they're being hard on themselves. Other people are physically exhausted. People like you, Jan, have been out working, working (laughs) really hard, doing their very best to keep the country going, supporting people in the front line. And not just the amazing doctors and nurses that we have, but people right around the country who are in the front line in all kinds of different areas, areas that are hidden, areas that might be devalued, might not even be be seen. And those people are actually exhausted. They're feeling exhausted. Mm. So the sense of, okay, now I have to just pick myself up and get back out into whatever this new life is going to be. 
is can be challenging too. Mm. And then there are people that have had a holiday um, <laughs> for the last while, like you know, three months holiday, and they're they're feeling great. And it's a bit like you know when you come back from a holiday, going back into work, going back yeah. into school the first day. It's like oh, and then once you're in, then that's it. But as you rightly said, we're going. We're not going back. We're going forward into something we we don't know what it's going to be like. Mm. And there could be very big changes. There could be um, tiny changes, but there are changes. And change can be difficult for any of us. And mm. then we adapt. We were talking there about people who feel particularly anxious about becoming sick but there will also be people who are feeling particularly anxious maybe they ordinarily have maybe a little bit of social anxiety anyway and returning back into the workplace or whatever is making them feel particularly you know anxious what are some of the things that they can do maybe to help manage those feelings the people who have experienced anxiety to maybe a severe or extreme extent in the past are probably at an advantage and it's reminding themselves that they're an advantage because they know how to do this. Mm. They know, you know, if they've overcome, if they've managed anxiety in the past, they know what to do. But people who haven't really experienced it before, who to to um a high level, might be really thrown by it. And yeah. they might be really wanting to feel better and focusing on their feelings and talking to people about how they feel and saying, you know, I'm feeling awful and feeling scared and feeling sick and feeling. We know that very basic things help in managing anxiety. And the first one is breathing slowly, tightening our non-dominant hand, breathing in, holding our breath, two, three, and then breathing out while we open our hand. And doing that three times. And then I love the thought, I choose to breathe slowly while we're doing that because that distracts us from all the other scary thoughts but also the word choose is very powerful mm. another thing that can help is distraction so distracting ourselves so instead of watching the horror movie that COVID-19 is lurking it could be anywhere we yes. know that so instead of replaying that in our head going okay um what are three things that I can see right now what are three things I can hear? Whatever wacky thoughts <laughs> that come in that are distracting, it, it doesn't really matter. And yeah. the the ones that actually make us laugh. So if I was, so somebody who's really scared of COVID-19, we could think, okay, if I was to meet COVID-19 and have a chat, what would I say? You know, would I say, how dare you be in Ireland? Or, you know, get out yes. of here. Or, you know, would I have some sympathy for this poor tiny little virus that nobody wants? And it's just being, you know, so having just conversations in our head that distract us and particularly if they make us laugh, mm. because then we've got our power back from anxiety. Yeah. And then it's like saying, OK, anxiety, I know you're there and actually you're brilliant because you keep me safe. The only thing is you're like a light switch that's faulty and you're flickering all the time. So it's my job as an adult to decide if there's danger or as a child, or as a teenager. So yes, you're letting me know you think there's danger. Thank you very much. But there might or there might not be, and I'm in charge. So the breathing slowly, the distracting, and then something like we can distract ourselves with singing or um, poetry, or it doesn't really matter so long as we deliberately do it. Mm. So then we can come back to the ABC coping sentence. I feel a little bit anxious and I encourage people to narrow that or to, to dilute that a little bit. So rather than I feel terrified, yeah. I feel a little bit anxious. 
because I think this is just so scary or I feel upset because I think I shouldn't feel anxious or I feel annoyed with myself because I think I'm making too big a deal of it. But I choose to distract myself. Mm. But I choose to remind myself of the times I have managed my anxiety. But I choose to be thrilled that this is only anxiety. Just to recap for people, the ABC sentence is to acknowledge. Yes, so it's acknowledge your feelings. Mm. And then the B is because. Because. And often, most times, really, I encourage people to think of because I think. So if someone stands on my toe, I will feel pain. So I feel pain because someone stood on my toe. Yeah. But a lot of the time, what's triggering us to feel anxious is our thoughts or are our thoughts. So I feel upset because I think I didn't do good enough. I feel disappointed because I think I didn't make the best of the time we had. So acknowledging how we feel, not saying we don't. Yeah. Not saying there's anything wrong. Literally, it's okay to feel however we feel. They're messengers. Mm. Acknowledging how we feel. And then be because. Yeah. And then C is choose. So what are we going to choose to do? Not what we have to do, we must do, we should do, because they're all pressure. Yeah. But what we actually choose to do. So I choose to deal with it if or when it happens. I choose to worry about it if or when it happens. I choose to manage it. I choose to get and take help. I choose to be kind to myself. I choose to remember that I got through lockdown and I felt anxious then. Yeah. I choose to remember other people are experiencing this too. So whatever they, whatever sentence we come up with, and if it's a really strong, powerful one, Jan, it will work in lots and lots of situations, not just one. It'll work yeah. in so many situations. I'm always struck when you talk about it, that sense of, re-empowering yourself that you're taking back sort of the control from the spiraling sort of thoughts that and the loops that often happen with anxiety and bringing it back into well that may be so but I'm choosing this which is really really helpful for people who maybe aren't feeling particularly anxious and are just delighted to be returning to some kind of vestige of normality what are some of maybe Maybe not even the signs that people are anxious, but some of the things like I, I noticed, for example, recently I was in the shop and I could tell somebody got disproportionately angry about somebody moving something on a, you know, in, a, in an aisle. And it was instantly obvious to me, certainly, that they were just really anxious and really, you know, and I was thinking, I'm sure that's happening a lot in a lot mm-hmm. of settings, in shops, at yeah. bus stops, whatever. What should we do or what can we do to help or do we just ignore those things? Like what's useful to do for the person who's feeling anxious? I think the first thing is for us each not to take it personally. Yeah. And just have a sense of maybe that person is doing the best they can. They're they're reacting whatever way. So if we if we in each of us are more relaxed in ourselves, then we're better able to help the person. I think it's a sense of we're all different again. And that while it's wonderful for some of us to have, you know, a really nice time and, and be looking forward to getting out in the sense of, oh, we're back. <laughs> you know, it's it's not the same for everyone. And going back to the, the the transitioning into from primary school to secondary school or from secondary school to college, from school into the workplace, mm. the first day, having a sense of for some people, they just love that. They love the excitement. They love... But other people are going a little bit, um, can I hold your hand? Can I be your friend? Can I sit beside yeah. you? <laughs> and and that's fine. And just having a sense of that, that's, you know, that it's okay. The thing I would encourage us not to do is to slip into reassuring someone. 
is to say, look, you're going to be fine. It's okay. You're going to be fine. Because if somebody really is very worried about whatever it is, that's not going to work. Or slipping into, you know, with COVID-19, the virus is tiny. The RO number is tiny. That's a waste of time. Because if somebody is feeling anxious that they might get it, they're feeling anxious that they might get it. And no reassurance, I think, is going to work. Also with anxiety, it's interesting because some people aren't anxious at all until they start to talk about something. And then their anxiety levels go up. Some people are very anxious and when they start to talk about it, their anxiety levels come down and some people are the same either way. So talking about, oh, going back to work and what about social distancing and what, how are we going to manage this and how somebody can do that feeling perfect, but not realizing that the person they're talking to, that their anxiety levels are increasing. So yeah. while we say talking about things is great in terms of helping us and social support, I always put a question mark. It's always the quality of the conversation. So again, coming back to acknowledging, yes, I feel a bit scared because I think this, but I wonder what I can do to cope with it and, and moving the focus of the conversation on what we can do. And, and the reason I suggest it's so important to acknowledge the feelings, because if we don't do that, and if we go in conversation with someone and we think we're helping them, because we're telling them all the reasons why they're not going to get COVID-19 or all the things they could do if they did. Yeah. But we don't actually say, you know what, it is scary. Then, then we're giving the message it's not okay to feel anxious, so people bottle it up and then might feel embarrassed or ashamed and then that becomes a problem in itself. It never ceases to amaze me how many conversations I have with how many different people in the course of recording this podcast, how often it comes back to we just need to show each other some compassion. We just yes. need to give each other a break. We just need to be a little bit understanding that we are all dealing with this differently. Anxiety is normal. It's important. It's an important mechanism. And I would worry more about someone who's not feeling anxious. <laughs> yeah, I would think, I know. you know, what, what, what's going on there? And the, the getting the balance. So there are three key things to look out for, Jan. One is intensity. Mm. The second is frequency. And the third is duration. Right. So how intensely are we experiencing those feelings of anxiety? How long are they lasting and how often are they triggered? So if we notice that actually this is becoming a bigger deal, this is becoming something that actually is impacting severely my life. Well, of course, the number one thing is to go to your GP and have a conversation about it. Those three things are actually really useful for people to have in their minds, either where they, whether they know somebody or live with somebody who may be anxious or if they themselves are to just keep an eye on the frequency, the intensity and the duration, because you don't want it to tip over into something that becomes more of an issue beyond the common experience during this pandemic. That's yes. something that's maybe potentially a little bit more disruptive to your life beyond this. And watching the self-fulfilling prophecy stuff, because we're hearing a lot of doom and gloom that's yeah. going to be ahead. And you know what, maybe that will be there, but maybe it won't. And we're one of the biggest things that we have as being human beings is our resilience and our ability to adapt and our ability to support each other. And we saw that during the lockdown, how fantastic it was. But one of the, the, the kind of the key things with anxiety is that it can, anxiety and depression can be very linked. Right. So we need to mind ourselves so that we don't give in to our I suppose, again, coming into the intensity, frequency, duration. So thoughts of 
I'm stupid or I shouldn't be like this or everybody else is so much better or, you know, the comparing ourselves thoughts. Mm. Everybody else would manage this so much better. And then linking that those thoughts can make us feel not anxious. They can make us feel inadequate and embarrassed and ashamed and upset. And then there can be a tendency in terms of action that we can withdraw because we feel better and Mm. we can avoid because we feel better. So avoidance can tend to be linked with anxiety, but the withdrawing piece can be linked with depression. Mm. So we really don't want ourselves or any of us in in, in the the people we love and people care about and anybody over the next few months to have a sense of I'm much safer at home. So I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to take the risk because then there are other dangers that could be actually way more severe than anything that COVID-19 could do. Yeah. And I suppose if I could say, I mean, looking at the, the biggest fear that certainly I would have, and I think practically anybody with COVID-19 or with any other illness is what if we die or what if the people we love die? And when I work with people and supporting them with anxiety, the fear of death is the big one. You know, it's one of the big ones. So rather than saying that's not going to happen, well, we all know actually, yes, it is at some point. Yeah. So then I would say to someone, well, suppose you knew for a fact that you or someone you were going, someone you loved, but but if it was me, say, or you, Jan, that you knew you were going to die this time next week, what would you actually do in the week in between? And we might think we would spend it crying, and we certainly would cry a little bit, and that's important, but we probably would spend it living. So once we have a sense of, well, if I knew I was going to die next week, I actually would use that time not feeling anxious about it, I'd use that time living. And one of the the techniques I encourage people to use is a worry box. So this is people of all ages, not not just children, but to actually get a box, a real box, like a biscuit tin, Mm. and to write down our worries and put them in the box. And then to have a worry time of, say, 10 minutes every day, not bedtime, and a worry spot, not our bedroom, somewhere where we can worry in peace for 10 minutes. So what we do is when it's not a worry time and we're worried, we're feeling worried, we write down our worries and we put it in the box. And then at our worry time, we sit, we open the box, we take out our first worry and we worry about it. And we allow ourselves to worry about it for 10 minutes or for the max of 10 minutes. Mm. But if we get bored worrying about it in between, but we're still worried about it, we put it back in the box. If we're not worried about it anymore, we get rid of it. And what I say to people is, if you run out of worries, give me a ring and I'll give you some of mine. <laughs> so the rest of the time, we have the ABC coping sentence. So I feel worried because I think whatever, but I choose to worry about it at my worry time. Right. So we can't stop worrying. But yeah. this is us taking control back and taking responsibility over it and saying, yes, I am going to worry about it. I choose to worry about it at my worry time. It's interesting what happens when we actually do allow ourselves to sit for 10 minutes and worry. So if there's anyone listening who wants to try that, they, they might be surprised with what that experience is actually like. Mm. I was just struck when you were talking earlier about when, you know, we feel anxious and sometimes the impulse can be to withdraw or to stay at home in the place that has kept us safe for the last few months and to, to stay there. I think it's worth mentioning that sometimes with anxiety, the longer you leave it to expose yourself to the thing that's making you anxious, your anxiety increases exponentially. 
you actually sort of think, well, it's not safe to go out really yet. So I'm just going to continue to self-isolate for a little bit longer. But that actually this concept of re-entry anxiety, you're just building it and building it and building it. And it's going to become worse whenever you inevitably do then start to re-enter or return to some kind of social interaction. It's Susan Jeffers' book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Mm -hmm. And do it anyway with a sense of compassion and a sense of understanding and a sense of really understanding that, like um, going up a hill, that when we start taking our power back and be facing something that we feel anxious about, we actually might feel worse. It's like going to a gym. Somebody who hasn't gone that for a long, long time, the muscles are sore, feel worse. But the more we do it, the easier that gets. And then if we're going up a hill, just when we think we can't go any, any steeper, then we come down. Yeah. But if we go up the hill and we think, oh, we're starting to go up and it's too steep, I can't go. Well, then we get this idea in our heads that actually that that hill, that's too hard. That's too hard for us. So I'll do it when I feel better. And then we won't feel better until we actually do it. Re-entry anxiety is such a lovely term because it can help it can help name what's something that's just there and we don't know what it is. But once we think, oh, I know what this is. This is just the re-entry anxiety. That's all. Okay, it's like when I started school. It's like when I did whatever. I'm going to do it anyway. But I choose to be kind to myself. So I think the kinder we are to ourselves and to others, the better things are going to be. That ABC sentence of Claire's is one of those really neat little hacks to just keep in your back pocket if you're feeling anxious when you're out and about or even thinking about going out and about over the next few days and weeks. So just to recap, it's A, acknowledge. So I feel anxious, for example. B, because. So I feel anxious because I know there are going to be loads of people queuing at the shops and I don't know if they're all going to maintain social distancing and I'm worried about that. And C then is I choose. So it might be I choose to go anyway and see what it's like when I get there. And of course, where would we be without breathing and kindness, as we've talked about many times here? I really, really liked that breathing exercise Claire described during our chat. And it reinforces that choice piece, I think, you know, and the tensing and relaxing the hand like that is a really nice way of getting us out of our heads and into our bodies. I hope if you are feeling a bit anxious these days that you'll try these tools and just keep an eye as well on that intensity, frequency and duration piece. And if you feel like it's tipping over into something more than re-entry anxiety, don't be afraid to share that with a friend. Maybe even chat to your GP. As always, you can find plenty of support and helpline information at rte.ie forward slash helplines. This podcast is created and edited by Paul Moriarty and me, Jan Nealyanagon. You can find all previous episodes at rte.ie forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for your company today. I hope you have a good week. We'll talk again soon. And in the meantime, mind yourself. Mind yourself.